the Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Mark. that time John said to Jesus, Teacher, we saw someone <clears throat> driving out demons in your name, and we tried to prevent him because he does not follow us. Jesus replied, Do not prevent him. There is no one who performs a mighty deed in my name who can at the same time speak ill of me. For whoever is not against us is for us. Anyone who gives you a cup of water to drink because you belong to Christ, amen, I say to you, will not lose his reward. Whatever causes one of these least ones who believe in me to sin, it would be better for him if a great millstone were put around his neck and he were cast into the sea. If your hand causes you to sin, cut it off. It is better for you to enter into life maimed than with two hands and go to Gehenna into the unquenchable fire. And if your foot causes you to sin, cut it off. It is better for you to enter into life crippled than with two feet and be thrown into Gehenna. And if your eye causes you to sin, pluck it out. Better for you to enter to the kingdom of God with one eye than with two eyes and be thrown into Gehenna, where worm does not die and the fire is not quenched. The Gospel of the Lord. Let's talk about death. Last week, Catechetical Sunday, Father Michael told us about original sin, this sin that we all inherit from Adam and Eve, and about one of its effects, about concupiscence, that inclination towards evil, that kind of gravity that pulls us towards pride and selfishness. He told us that we can remedy this with God's grace by how? By seeing the need, by seeing what others need in their lives, and by then responding in deed, or actually taking action to remedy what we see. So here's, this is concupiscence, that tendency towards evil. But then there's another effect of original sin, death, which has no direct remedy. Before their sin, Adam and Eve were created by God in friendship with him. They walked together in the garden, 
God had created them in the midst of divine intimacy, and so they shared in God's original holiness and justice. And so they had complete mastery over themselves, over their bodies, and over nature. There was a harmony there. And that harmony between body and soul meant that they were to live forever. We were created to live forever. But then, as St. Paul bluntly tells us, sin came into the world through one man, through Adam, and death through sin. So death spread to all men. The original harmony and integrity that God had created us to have, that original easy relationship we had with God, with nature, with each other, and with our bodies, was destroyed, damaged, and wounded. Now Adam has to work by the sweat of his brow to scratch the earth and to bring forth food. It's no longer easy. Eve has labor pains, and now there's difficulty in human relationships. And that wound that damages that relationship with God causes them to hide from God in shame. They no longer want to be with God. They hide themselves. And so separated from God's life and burying that damage of uh, that wound of original sin in their bodies and their souls, the union of body and soul that's meant to be forever falls apart and is damaged. And so ultimately, body and soul fall apart, and that is death. Death that came to Adam and Eve, and to all of us one day as well. But even worse is the spiritual death, that separation from God that makes evil appear more and more in the world. And we see their children, Cain and Abel, right? Cain kills his brother Abel. So, our readings today talk a lot about death. Jesus says that death is preferable for the one who causes one of the innocent to sin. It's better for him to have a millstone tied around his neck and have him be thrown into the sea. And then for those who won't take the serious steps necessary uh, to avoid sin, there is Gehenna, where their worm does not die and the fire is unquenched. This doesn't sound like a picnic to me. And then, of course, in our second reading, St. James warns those who love riches that their death is coming. He says, You have lived on earth in luxury and pleasure. You have fattened your hearts for the day of slaughter. Now, speaking of the letter of St. James, I now have to ask, did everyone do their homework last week that Father Michael gave us? Uh, a few hands, Sophie. very good. Father Michael asked us to read the letter of St. James. He made it a requirement, he said, and it's just four pages long. So really, really a short read, but a really fantastic and good and wonderful, wonderful letter. So if you haven't read it, I encourage you to this week, just four pages, and it's a beautiful letter. But for those of you who did read it, you'll probably recall at the very end, after James gives us these exhortations, he has a message of hope. He says, know that whoever brings back a sinner from the error of his way will save his soul from death and will cover a multitude of sins. So there is great reason for hope. 
And Jesus is even more generous in the gospel. He says that the giver of even a cup of water will not lose their reward. So there is much reason to hope. Sin does bring death, but Jesus, through his death and resurrection, allows us to share in his life. But like Father Michael said last week, sin darkens our intellect and weakens our will and makes it hard for us to choose what is good. We, we, we experience temptation in a difficult way. Now, St. James has something to say about this too. He says that let no one say when they are tempted, I am tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, and he himself tempts no one. But each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desires. Then desire, when it has conceived, gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is full grown, brings forth death. So it is our own desires that are the problem. Our own desires that lead to the sin that leads to death. And this is why Jesus says, if your hand causes you to sin, cut it off. Now, if you do that, you will quickly find that you were mistaken because it wasn't your hand that was causing you to sin, was it? No, rather, it's our desires for what is evil that causes us to use our hand to sin. That's the real problem. But Jesus speaks in this way precisely because the act of removing evil desires from our heart is just as difficult, if not more so, than the act of cutting off one's own hand. We are attached in a deep way to our desires, like our hand is attached to us. We don't want to sever them. But here there is a necessary connection between Adam and Eve and this situation. Just as their disobedience separated them from God, so also our disordered desires separate us from God as well. And they prevent us from entering eternal life. This is Adam and Eve had to leave the garden. And this is the torment of hell that Jesus speaks about. That we will receive, in fact, the evil that we desire. But that this will fail to bring us happiness. Because that's what evil is. And then we are forever unwilling to change our desire. And so forever unhappy. That is hell. There are some who hope that perhaps hell is empty. That a loving God wouldn't permit anyone to choose all eternity to be separated from him. But to take this position is to make a mockery of Jesus' words. Jesus, who today takes this possibility very, very seriously and suggests drastic action to avoid it. Jesus says, It is better for you to enter into life maimed than with two hands to go into Gehenna, into the unquenchable fire. God never, ever stops loving us. But rather, it is we who stop loving God, we who stop desiring him. And you can't force someone to love you back. And so the good news, the gospel, isn't merely good. It is also necessary for our salvation because we cannot save ourselves. On our own, we cannot cut off those desires for, for what is not good. And this is why Moses says, after Eldad and Medad start prophesying in the camp, he says, 
Would that all the people of the Lord would prophesy. Would that the Lord might bestow his spirit upon them all. Jesus does the same thing. He says, for whoever is not against us is for us. And indeed, he has bestowed his spirit on all of us through our baptism, through the sacraments. He has made us all prophets and priests and kings even. Because everyone needs to hear the good news. The whole world needs to hear the good news and to experience the power of Jesus' name. Jesus needs all hands on deck for this mission. And he's not going to play games about who's with us and who's against us and who's over there and who's over here. No, everyone needs to be working at this great mission because evil is real. We do all kinds of things to avoid bodily death, don't we? We have all sorts of health care and diets and pills and medical supplements and all sorts of of things we do. But death comes for us all anyway, doesn't it? But we can escape the true death, the death of eternal separation from God by his help. He is that divine physician who truly can cure us from the gravest of evils. So how do we do this? First, it's important to take sin seriously and death as well. The devil hopes that you don't. He hopes that you'll be distracted by all the other things going on in the world and in your life. He hopes that, yeah, you just won't go to Mass every Sunday. You don't really have to go every Sunday, do you? He hopes that you won't go to confession, that you won't pray, that instead you'll just kind of gradually stop caring. That's what the devil hopes. So the first step is to take sin and death seriously, because certainly Christ does in the gospel, doesn't he? Secondly, it's important to remember the refrain that we had in the responsorial psalm. The precepts of the Lord give joy to the heart. Sin causes us to have the darkened intellect, and so when we read the precepts of the Lord, they kind of make us sad, like, oh, I don't know if I want to do that. But truly, the precepts of the Lord give joy to our hearts because they are ultimately what will bring us happiness, whereas sin and evil doesn't. And so reflect on them, pray about, and study the precepts of God, what God has commanded for our own good. Come to have that joy in them. And finally, thirdly, cut off those evil desires. Amputate them from your heart with the tools that God has given us to do that. We can't do it on our own, but with his help in the sacrament of confession, in the Eucharist, using his grace, we can do this step by step, slowly by slowly. And finally, it's important to remember what St. James said at the end of his letter. Help others to reject sin as well. That is a great deed that helps us too. Whoever brings back a sinner from the error of his way will save his soul from death and will cover a multitude of sins.